0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: This is The Danny Parking Show. Yeah, we are. Thanks for hanging out. We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studio. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. We're talking about where football is going. It's changed radically over the last couple of years. And last year, honestly, feels like the beginning of an offensive explosion. You had Pat Mahomes. Do something that only has been done by Brady and Manning, and he did it in his first year as a starter. You had the explosion of RPOs, the run-pass option. You got John Harbaugh saying that his offense is going to do to the NFL what Bill Walsh and Joe Montana did in the 80s. What's the next era going to be? We're about to find out. He says he would bet the over on Cam Newton's career high of 139 carries for his quarterback, Lamar Jackson. So what does it look like if Lamar Jackson throws the ball 400 to 450 times and runs the ball 150 times? What does that offense look like? Two-point conversions went from about 8% of the time to 11% of the time. I don't think that's anywhere near its ceiling. Going for it on fourth down, the Saints did it more than any team in the NFL last year only 29 times less than two a game. I don't think that's anywhere near its ceiling. So I still think we got a lot of change coming in this new NFL, this modern NFL, this NFL that more resembles college football than pro football sometimes. You know your teams, you know what your teams are talking about doing. What do you think is next? How is football going to look different this year where we're going to be like, "Wow, that's a drastic change," and then 5 or 10 years from now it's just going to be the norm. 855212 four, two, two, seven. Let's go to Buffalo and welcome Matt to the Danny Parkin show. What's up, Matt.
2: Hey, thank you for taking my call. Um, I think the league's trending more to, uh, teams are going to literally, I think throw the ball like 90, 95% of the time. I think with the way the rules are now, teams throw the, they get rid of the ball within two seconds. Um, you can't even breathe on the quarterback without it being a penalty. Almost. Um, and now with the being able to challenge pass interference calls, I think it's just more incentive to throw the ball instead of settling for three or four yards. Like I want 15, 20 yards of pop and try to score. And I think the league's just trending more and just constantly throwing the ball. And then one other quick point, and then I'll I'll hang up and listen. This this ties into uh, going for it on fourth down. Like here, being in Buffalo, like if 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 I'm up by four points in the fourth quarter and I'm at my own 35-40 yard line, and it's fourth and four, I'm, I would rather go for it. I would rather try to get five or six yards and, and run out the clock and kneel the ball than punt and watch Tom Brady mark, because you know what's going to happen. Brady's going to march down the field, and he's going to score, and they're going to win. It happens all the time. Almost everyone knew when, when the Patriots won the coin toss in the AFC Championship game, everyone knew they were going to win. They were going to march down the field. They were going to score. Does it really matter? If he has to go eighty yards or forty five yards, he's going to go down and he's going to score nine you know nine times out of ten that's what's going to happen. I'd rather take my chance and believe in my offense and my team to get you know however many yards, assuming it's a reasonable amount, and if you go down, you go down. I'd rather take my chances with my offense
1: Matt, I think it's a really reasonable call. Thank you for making it. I think that, you know, your your numbers are obviously not exact in terms of being 90% to go down, right? If you got 80 yards of field versus 40 yards of field, the likelihood of scoring a touchdown is obviously significantly lower 80 yards of field as opposed to 40. But I understand your point. It feels inevitable. And I do think teams are going to get more and more aggressive of going forward on fourth down. And your first point, I really agree with. I remember when Andy Reid was in Philadelphia, he got... Killed for not running the ball enough. Absolutely killed. And he was right. History will show that he's right. And he was right. Passing the ball has a higher ceiling outcome than running the ball for an average play. Now... You could say if you throw the ball, you're more likely to have an interception than you are a fumble on a running play, and you're more likely to get zero yards on a pass that's incomplete, as opposed to if you run it, you'll still normally get two, three, or four yards. Clock runs, I understand that there's variables to it, but I was thinking about this when I was uh, preparing for this show, and I knew I wanted to talk about this. You know what the NFL record is for pass attempts in a season? It's Matt Stafford. He threw for 727 pass attempts. Last year, Ben Roethlisberger led the NFL with 675. Doesn't it feel like that number is going to fall in the next year or two? That's about 45, 46 pass attempts per game playing all 16 games. Just needs to be a pass-happy coach with a good quarterback on a team that has a bad defense. Throw the ball 50 times a game. Why not? Throw the ball 50 times a game, 16 games, it's 800 pass attempts. I think it is absolutely in play. And before you say I'm crazy, have you watched the NBA in the last six years? The NBA in a very short period of time has gone from a league where the leading team in the NBA shot... 20-something threes a game to now the leading team in the NBA shoots 45 threes a game. It's basically doubled in less than a decade in terms of the league leaders. It's crazy how quick it changes once it becomes conventional wisdom. And that's what happened in the NBA. Three was worth more than two. And I think what's happening in the NFL is conventional wisdom. Passing is better than running. Going for it soon will be seen as better than not. Hey, I only got to get three yards. We average five and a half yards of play. Let's go for it. I think you're going to see that explosion continue. Raphael in Vermont seems to disagree. Raphael, thanks for calling, man. You're on CBS Sports Radio.
3: Man, my, my, my opinion is completely different. I do believe I will not take any advice from Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. Who, as far I'm concerned, is nothing else but is nothing else but a cleaner version, but not well exposed version of Geno Smith. That kid cannot play, and Arbor realized that guy cannot throw, and is trying to 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 cover for what is coming. The way where the NFL is going, I want everybody to go back and watch a few tape of Amy Smith, Roger Craig, those kind of running backs that used to go downfield and catch the ball. And this is exactly what we have right now. With if Kansas City that make a mistake, it's all they had to do just stand still, whatever when that situation happened and wait and not get rid of that running back. And next thing you know they will be champion now. And if you see Saint Louis and I said, uh if you see the LA, the LA team right now, w- w- which lose in, in, in the championship because that guy got hurt. If he was able to go down there, Zeke, all of those running backs, you cannot afford to have a running back. Right, but here, okay, so he I listen.
1: Running backs have value, but my question is like Todd Gurley. You mentioned he gets hurt. He's on the Rams. He he led he led the NFL last year with like 19 rushing attempts per game. No one in the NFL even ran the ball 20 times a game last year. Why do you think it's going to go back drastically in favor of the running backs?
3: Did did you hear what I said? I said uh, they need a running back that can. They need to. The the running back now they're gonna be like Roger Craig, somebody that can Emmitt Smith. They used to go downfield as a tight end, and make a catch thirty, forty 40 yards down. That's where we are heading right now. We need running back that can catch, like Zeke, like Zeke, like uh, the one New York has. Uh, Saquon. Saquon. They want to, this is where the league, that's the new weapon. The running back needs to be able to catch, not five yards. He need, to go, he need to be able to go downhill and catch the ball 15, 20
1: Listen, man, I appreciate appreciate the call, and I I agree that the running back is more of a pass-catching option, or at least equally a pass-catching option, as he is a running option. That's why I was so devastated by how awful Arizona's offense was last year. I think David Johnson is Marshall Falk. He is the best route-running running back I have seen in a long time. But they just had nothing else. So imagine if Arizona, like if if Cliff Kingsbury knows what he's doing, and Kyler Murray is, you know, the new version, right? If he's Carson Wentz, Baker Mayfield, Pat Mahomes, like if if he's that good as a, as a dual threat, young versatile quarterback, and he can throw, and he's got David Johnson, they're not that far away from being a really exciting offense. But those are a lot of ifs. If Cliff Kingsbury's good, if Kyler Murray can hold up, given his size, if David Johnson can stay healthy, if they can add stuff in the passing game before David Johnson's out of his prime, like they've got a lot, it's a very narrow needle that they got to thread, but it's got the makings of being a really exciting offense. So I'm all for the running back as a pass catching option and going downfield. Eight, five, five, two, one, two, four CBS. In Lansing, Michigan, Craig is on CBS Sports Radio. Thanks for calling, Craig.
4: Hey, what's happening, man? Uh, You know, Danny, uh, the thing I'm looking at is the trend of of quarterbacks. In in 2008, Breeze throws for 5,000 yards. It took 24 years since Dan Marino did it. And then three years later, him, Brady, and Stafford did it. And every year since then, Breeze actually has done it five times. Uh, the only person to do it more than once, throw him for 5,000 yards. So what I'm getting at is if Breeze can throw for 5,000 yards, there's going to be a guy like Deshaun Watson. I'm looking at the super quarterback, what I'm, I'm looking at. It's going to come along and be able to throw for 5,000 yards and rush for 1,000. And, and the reason why quarterbacks can do this, and w- the reason why I disagree with the last caller, you know, we're not moving towards more running. We're moving towards more passing because the, the rules – allow for that they promote that they 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 lengthen quarterbacks careers we try to figure out a way to protect them they can get they, they can pass better they can you know they don't get touched as much as they used to and you know that i mean you know so i, I, I think that we're looking towards a super quarterback coming along and it could be a Kyle, uh, you know Kyler murray it could be a deshaun watson Somebody else that comes along next couple
0: of years. But well, well, Deshaun coming.
1: Watson did it in college. Deshaun Watson was 4,000 in a, and a thousand. So you're saying 5,000 in a thousand, but that obviously you got a 16 game schedule. But yeah, Deshaun Watson did that at Clemson. He did 4,000 in a thousand. It was one of the greatest college football seasons any quarterback's ever had.
4: I think it's coming to where you're looking at that it's going to get easier and easier to throw for 4,500-plus yards. It already is easier. And, and then you got guys like Patrick Mahomes that can really take advantage of it and throw for even more than that. I mean, there's going to be more guys like Mahomes come along. I mean, trust me, Mahomes could run for more yards if he needed to, but if yeah. he doesn't need to, he can pass too well.
1: Well, that, that, that's exactly the thing, and thanks for the call, Craig. If you're that good of a passer where you can pass for 5,000 yards you're probably too valuable in this NFL to run for 1,000 yards. Because if you're in the pocket, you're a protected citizen. You're safe. They basically can't hit you. If you leave the pocket, you're treated like a running back. They can crush you. And then your risk of injury. Like the reason why Lamar Jackson might run the ball 150 times is because he's not as valuable in the pocket yet so that they're willing to risk it because that's how they can be effective and diverse as an offense. But to use your example of Pat Mahomes, why would the Chiefs ever want Pat Mahomes to run for 1,000 yards when he can pass for 5,000? Too much risk for injury. So that's an interesting one. I I would say it's more likely that a quarterback throws for 6,000 yards before they do 5,000 and 1,000. But that's an interesting one. I haven't given that a lot of consideration. I'll think about that. More people want to weigh in on the advances that's coming to our pass-happy football near you. We'll get to that. Plus, one of the five best players I've ever seen went into Canton this weekend. Want to give him a little love before we get to last but not least. It's the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio. Now back to the Danny Parkin Show. And I appreciate you listening to the Danny Parkin Show on CBS Sports Radio, where our toll-free line is 855-212-4227. It's brought to you by GEICO. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. We're talking about where the NFL is going. What's going to change? John Harbaugh saying that Bill Walsh and Joe Montana revolutionized the NFL in the 80s. What's the next era going to be? We're going to find out in the context of how his offense could look like something that has never been seen before. With Lamar Jackson running for more times than Cam Newton did, his career high was 139 in a season. So, if he's telling the truth, I want to see it. I'm still skeptical of Lamar Jackson as a passer, but I'm less skeptical than most because in a good system, he was amazing at Louisville. And 15 years ago, it would have been considered complete nonsense to think that uh, Bobby Petrino's Louisville system could have translated to the NFL, and now... Big 12 quarterbacks are dominating the NFL. It used to be no big 12 quarterback ever had been good in the NFL. Now, arguably the two hottest quarterback prospects in the entire league, Pat Mahomes and Baker Mayfield, products of the big 12. So the game's changed, man. The game has changed, not to mention Kyler Murray, number one pick this year. So the NFL is looking more and more like college. I think we could see Sam Bradford, or uh, Matt Stafford's record for pass attempts in a season fall. That's 727. I don't think we've reached the peak of RPOs yet, but I still am curious to see whether or not defenses can figure some of it out and if it goes the way of the Wildcat. I'd bet against it just because of some of the rules, but I think the verdict is still out on that. I think two-point conversions were nowhere near the ceiling, and I think fourth-down attempts were nowhere near the ceiling. Mark in South Carolina wants to weigh in eight five five two one two four two two seven. Where do you think football's going, Mark?
5: I mean I, I think this year, kinda of like you, I think the fourth fourth down conversions and stuff like that, I think they're gonna make a lot more attempts this year. I mean, as far as, you know, all thirty two teams, or at least that's what I'm hoping. You know, if we're if we're down on the forty yard line and you got forty yards to the end zone, instead of punting in a try a long field goal, why don't you try to get six points, you know, seven points with the extra point, or even go for two if you're down that far. Or even if you're not down that far, you just want to get ahead. I mean, you know, anything can happen in a game. And I think, you know, this third down and then get it down to fourth and four or four, even fourth and five, you know, maybe like fourth and seven and eight and up, upwards of that, you know, punt the ball or send your field goal unit out. But anything under five and under, I think we should be trying to get the fourth down conversions, give your team some confidence, give your offense confidence, give the fans what they want. Because nobody wants to see their team go to third down and then not make it and just send the punting team out.
1: Well, you know, listen. Fans want to see their team win, and it depends what you got, right? If you're Denver, if you're like, let's just use Denver. If you're Denver and your coach is Vic Fangio, who's a defensive coach, and your best player is a defensive player and Von Miller, and your quarterback is Joe Flacco, you're probably playing more of a ball possession, you know, field position, conservative type of team. But if you're Andy, if you're Andy Reid and your quarterback's Pat Mahomes, you're probably going for it more. So I, I still think it's situation dependent.
5: No, I, I definitely agree. I just, I just hope more teams, you know, take their chance. You know, I'm not saying send some rookie quarterback out there that's, you know, not the greatest. I'm not saying nobody is great because nobody's perfect. But you know, just give them a chance. You know. The worst that can happen, I mean, I get, <laughs> you know what you're talking about as far as losing the game' because nobody definitely wants to lose their game, but
1: yeah, I think the worst that could happen uh, is you lose the game that's that's <laughs> probably that, 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 that's, <laughs> pr- that's that's probably the worst question. that could happen <laughs> hey man i pre- I appreciate your call. um I just want to take a minute and I don't care about Hall of Fames. I think they're museums, and I think the people that debate them and get upset about them are kind of silly. If you've ever been to a Hall of Fame, it's a museum. It's an incredible accomplishment for the player who gets in and their family and their people who helped them there. But fans getting upset about it is a strange thing to me. It always has been. But something recently has been happening to me that hadn't really happened before because of my age. I was born in 1986. So players who their entire careers I've seen are starting to get into the Hall of Fame, and that's just a different animal in some ways. Like You feel like you lived through the whole thing, obviously, and so you could kind of appreciate the growth and the development of it a little bit more, as opposed to guys who were making the Hall of Fame when I was a kid, I would maybe know something about them, or maybe I saw the tail end of their career, or... I was judging it off of like highlight films, like NFL films or YouTube or whatever the case may be. But I was thinking about it with Ed Reed. Ed Reed is on the short list of my favorite football player who wasn't on my team and the best football player I've ever seen. Like, if you're going to say, Danny, who's the best football player you've ever seen? My answer is probably Randy Moss. Like Randy Moss, in terms of you know, I, I remember the Niners Chargers Super Bowl. So I remember the end of Jerry Rice. Didn't see the entire thing. I don't remember Lawrence Taylor. Um, I don't remember most of Reggie White's career. I have like a, I have vivid memories of the Cowboys Steelers Super Bowl in '95. And I have some memory of the second Cowboys-Bill Super Bowl. But I don't really have a ton of specific memories. So I I wrote it down. Five best players I've ever seen. In no particular order. Barry Sanders, whose whole career I don't remember, but I remember his second to last year where he ran for over 2,000 yards. It was... Unbelievable destroyed the bears and no one could touch him. It was like they were playing touch football and they couldn't tackle him. It was crazy. Barry Sanders, Randy Moss, Aaron Rodgers, JJ Watt, and Ed Reed. And I know Patriots fans will be like, well, Tom Brady to me, Tom Brady is the most accomplished quarterback ever. And it's a great system, but if you put Tom Brady on the Dolphins, they don't have six Super Bowls. Like he's very good. No one I'd rather have leading a fourth-quarter drive. He's an amazing player. He's the most accomplished quarterback of all time. I don't believe him to be the best. That's a different show. Whatever. I'm talking about individual, like isolating individual talent and evaluating it. Who are the best players I've ever seen? Those are my five. JJ Watt before the injuries was I think this generation's Lawrence Taylor just and Aaron Donald is frankly approaching it but JJ Watt just did, he's got an extra defensive player of the year award like he just a little bit longer greatness than Aaron Donald but Aaron Donald is close Rodgers is the most talented player I've ever seen play quarterback but Ed Reed who went into the Hall of Fame this weekend It was just consistently a pleasure to watch him play. On great defenses, in big games, against the best quarterbacks. He had Peyton Manning's respect. He had Tom Brady's respect. He had Ben Roethlisberger's respect. He had Bill Belichick's respect. He he could hit you hard, and he could ball hawk, and when he got the ball in his hands, he could take it to the house. He was just amazing. So, I know, hot take, right? Ed Reed, good at football. But I was just thinking about it, like, personally, most of the time, Hall of Fame stuff doesn't hit me in any sort of emotional way. Ed Reed got me a bit. Because I feel like I've seen his entire career and really appreciated it. And I remember one time I covered a Pro Bowl, and... I was in the locker room after the game, and guys were exchanging cleats and signing game balls for each other. And Drew Brees and J.J. Watt, it was one of the years where it wasn't AFC-NFC. And Drew Brees and J.J. Watt were kind of like stars among stars, you know? It's like when uh, you hear guys tell the story like the SNL 40 after party. Everyone's hanging out, and it's Steve Martin, it's Jimmy Fallon, and it's uh, Billy Crystal, and and then Prince walks in, and all of a sudden, like Beyonce is dancing to Prince, and Prince is a star amongst the stars. JJ Watt and Drew Brees in that locker room were the stars amongst the stars. In my football watching experience, Ed Reed is on that level of stars amongst the stars. So it was really cool to see him go into the Hall of Fame. We'll get to last but not least, the stories that we didn't want to slip through the cracks coming up. Now back to the Danny Parkins Show.
5: With time running out, we still have a few questions we didn't get answers to. Danny Parkins gives us his thoughts on a couple of different stories in this week's edition of Last But Not Least.
1: Welcome back in. Last but not least, we get my producer, Ryan Hickey. He runs this show involved. He asks me the questions. I give him the answers. We go rapid fire to get through three or four stories before we get out of here. So, Ryan, what's up first?
6: All right, Daniel. So, the Houston Astros, they're one of the most analytically driven teams in baseball, spearheaded by their GM, Jeff Lunau. The reason why I bring that up, they just acquired Aaron Sanchez from the Blue Jays at the trade deadline, pitched to a 6.07 ERA this year for Toronto. And what happens? First start with the Astros, seven no-hit innings as the Astros combined for a no-hitter in his first start. So with that said, all that you know, kind of ingrained there for you, are the Astros smarter than everyone else?
1: I took this question straight from Jason Stark who asked it. He gives you these numbers. Aaron Sanchez's last 17 starts in Toronto. 0-13 with a 7-4-9 ERA, and opponents had a 9-0-1 OPS against him. First pitcher ever to get traded after losing 13 in a row in the season that he was traded. I don't know if the Astros are absolutely smarter than everyone else, but I can tell you this, they're better than everyone else. I know the Yankees have a slightly statistically higher win percentage, 72 and 39 against 73 and 40. I know the Dodgers are good and have better resources than anyone. I know the twins record this year is absurd, but the Astros are what every team in baseball wanted to be best major league team, best farm system, best executive and You want to play them in a playoff series when they've got Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, and Zach Greinke? All three of those guys are in the top five in baseball and whip this year. The Astros are the heavy favorites, and they appear to be smarter than every other team in the sport. I think a lot of teams are smart nowadays. It's very tough to be dumb in baseball because of analytics and how many smart people are in the sport. It's like the scene in rounders. If you can't spot the sucker at the first 30 minutes on the table, then you are the sucker. There are way less suckers in baseball now than there were 10 years ago, but there still are different classes of teams because of resources. And the, you know, at the very top, it seems like Houston and the Dodgers have separated themselves from the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Cubs, the other teams that want to consider themselves world-class organizations. It feels like it is a two-team race between the Astros and the Dodgers. And if I was going to give you a a winner this year, the Astros absolutely deserve to be the favorites to win the World Series. And that Aaron Sanchez stat and run and that no-hitter was just the latest crazy example. But I can't believe they got Zach Reinke, man. That is almost unfair. It really is. What's next?
6: So running back Steven Jackson was randomly selected for a drug test from the NFL. Well, obviously drug tests are pretty normal, especially now with training camps being open, but the issue is he hasn't played it down since 2015. Jackson signed a one-day contract to retire as a Ram, and that I guess put his name back in the drug testing database. He went on to tweet that he will not be showing up for his drug test. So when you see this uh, highlight, when you, or we see when you see this headline, do you think this is something from like The Onion or a joke headline?
1: It is a preposterous story that should have gotten more attention this week. It is laughably absurd. And I will say this again, and I've said it before. The NFL, all pro sports, but the NFL in particular, should not drug test for recreational drugs. It's not. Your employer's business, what you do at home. Now, if you work with kids, if you work with heavy machinery, if you work with a weapon, if you're elected to public office, there are exceptions. Obviously, pilots should be drug tested. Cops should be drug tested. Why an NFL player who's in the business of dispersing and taking in pain should have to pee in a cup in order to tell you whether he smokes a joint on a Saturday night is laughably absurd. And the fact that Steven Jackson was summoned to do it when he's signing a one-day ceremonial contract so that he can retire for the Rams, they should be embarrassed, honestly. They should just be ashamed of themselves. The policy is laughable. Guys beat it all the time, especially if they're not in the system. But the whole... I always say, like, this should be something that the players and the owners actually agree on. But what happens is, it's not a big enough priority for the players' union because all players don't smoke marijuana, even though a huge percentage of them do. And the owners like it as a controlling mechanism over its labor and its workforce. But owners should be willing to say, hey, we don't want our players suspended for doing something that is going to be legal in this country sooner than later and is already legal recreationally in a huge percentage of the states at which our teams play games. They should be leaders on this stuff. And you know, the NHL doesn't recreationally drug test. Major League Baseball, if you're on the 40-man, doesn't recreationally drug test. Those sports, dominated by white people, The NBA and the NFL, recreationally drug test, sports dominated by black people. Not exactly a coincidence. The controlling nature and the paternalism that is involved and inherent in a mandatory drug testing policy for recreational drugs that are not performance enhancing is absurd and the NFL shouldn't be embarrassed. What's next?
6: So a bunch of premier games were leaked uh, for the NBA next season on top of the Christmas Day schedule. Also, superstars returning to their former teams were also leaked as well. Kawhi Leonard will be turning back to Toronto December 11th. Anthony Davis visiting New Orleans November 27th. That same night, Kyrie will go back to Boston. Russell Westbrook will visit OKC January 9th. So those big superstars are turning back to their former teams. Which matchup are you most excited to see? There is only one answer.
1: Because Russell Westbrook in, going back to Oklahoma City, that'll be great. Who knows what Russell will do? He did 20-20-20 for Nipsey Hussle. Maybe he'll go 50-25 and 25 in his return to OKC. Maybe he'll shoot the ball 75 times. Like, a- anything is in play there. But Oklahoma City fans are going to give him a huge ovation. So the only thing there that's really interesting is what Russ does to send the message. No, don't get me wrong. That's interesting. Kawhi returning to Toronto. That's interesting. He was a mercenary. He got him a title. He's crafting one of the most unique winning legacies in the history of the sport, trying to be a guy who wins three titles on three teams as the best player. Never been done before. But Toronto fans going to give him an overwhelming ovation. It'll be positive. Anthony Davis returning to New Orleans. Could have been ugly, but... They got Zion and it's not a great fan base and it's not steeped in NBA history and tradition. So maybe they boo Anthony Davis. Maybe they cheer him. It's not likely to be overwhelming, but yo, Kyrie going back to Boston. It's not LeBron going back to Cleveland the first time after people burned his jerseys in his hometown. That's one of the most memorable regular season games I've ever seen, but Boston fans can be a little ugly and Kyrie did say he was going to resign and he did go to an Eastern conference team and he did get KD and Boston had to settle for Kemba and Ennis Cantor. And if that blows up in Boston and that team doesn't look like it's going to reach its potential and things are going poorly, yo, that could get ugly. So yeah, November 27th Kyrie back in Boston. How those fans treat him? What does Kyrie do back? How ugly does it get in that arena? That is must see TV. What's up? What's last?
6: All right. Finally, Tom Brady made some news earlier today. He signed a two, or I guess yesterday, he signed a two-year extension with the Patriots that will take him through 2021. He will get paid 23 million dollars a season, will make him just the sixth highest quarterback paid this year. Last year, he was the 11th highest paid quarterback. Obviously, Tom Brady does take a lot of discounts for the Patriots. So does he deserve as much credit as he's getting for, less co- for taking excuse me, lesser contracts to free up more cap space?
1: No. This is one of the dumbest stories that is just consistently pushed by the media and Patriots fans, and it's, it's sickening, frankly. First of all... It's not admirable to give back money. Take what you're worth. So, no. It's not admirable. Second of all, Giselle's made, for every dollar Brady's made, and it's over $200 million playing football, Giselle's made $2 for every one. Darren Ravel had her at over $400 million in earnings from being a model. So, they can afford it. And Brady, to his credit has acknowledged and joked about that, that he's able to do that. But Tom Brady is not being underpaid here or not taken care of. His side business, that TB12 training method, the Patriots are a client. They employ his weird trainer. They've promoted his businesses. I have no doubt in my mind that Robert Kraft and the Patriots have worked out some sort of deal with Brady. Hey, you get to buy into the franchise at a discount, like discounted stock options at a company when you're done playing. Hey, we'll employ your uh, medical company in our training staff. We'll sign up 20-year contract with them. Like Tom Brady is going to be getting a check from the Patriots for the rest of his life. So this idea that he's doing it in some sort of like altruistic way, no, no. That's an organization that is completely in lockstep. Quarterback, coach, owner, even when they butt heads, they always work through it. They win. They are the gold standard. He is a Hall of Famer. He is the most accomplished quarterback ever. It's great that they manipulate the salary cap. It's just another way that they push the boundary on the rules and manipulate the cap to their benefit. So, hey, good on them because it helps them win. But this idea that it's like charity and that he's giving back. Tom Brady is being taken care of in many, many ways by the Patriots. This is not just all all altruism. Appreciate everyone hanging out with the show tonight. Ryan Hickey is my executive producer. Seth Cantor handled the updates. Thanks to everyone getting me on the air. I am. There's no show next week. Kevin Wall, James Bacchioni. Appreciate you guys very much.